Welcome everyone to VLGA Connect. It's the newsroom segment with Catherine Arndt, the CEO of the VLGA, joining me now. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Chris. Good to see you again. And you. Welcome back to the program. Uh, we've got some guests joining us in a moment, but a couple of uh, stories that have broken in the last few days that we thought were worth touching on first. And uh, one is this, uh, this idea from the state government that they might start to trial what our vaccinated economy looks like before we reach the 70% trigger, which is due to be around the 26th of October, if I remember rightly. So over the couple of weeks before that, uh, those uh, local government areas that have the highest vaccination rates and low cases of COVID-19 um, are going to participate or be invited at least to participate in these trials, which will be very interesting. Yeah, look, it was a really um, interesting initiative that the state governments announced recently. There are six local government areas that I believe are earmarked for that trial, in particular Bass Coast, Greater Bendigo, Pyrenees, Warrnambool, Bull Oak and East Gippsland. Um, and essentially, as you said, Chris, it's looking at opening up those communities and certainly the businesses that operate in those communities um, at, at, at higher levels um, based on the vaccination um, or rates in, in those particular communities. So I think it's something that all Victorians will be, you know, eagerly anticipating um, to see how that all rolls out. Yes, when you think about it, it makes sense they want to test those systems, particularly with businesses that are happy to be part of the trial. Um, we've commented before on the the, the friendly challenges that have been going on around the state, Bull Oak and Queenscliff, which has been run and won, by the way, by Queenscliff, but Bull Oak <laughs> is, is one of those. And it's not lost on us that they're all regional. Another item that caught my eye this week, Catherine, is this new report from the Climate Council, which has attempted to put a cost on the impact for councils uh, because of what it calls a, a, a more general inaction at higher levels of government in terms of climate change. Yes, and they're putting, they're putting a pretty big number on that too, a cost of approximately $54 million a year is being predicted um, by the end of the, the century for, a, for, for basically uh, responding to damage that's being caused in the local community as a result of climate change and, and as a result of it not being responded to now. Um, and, and we can see, for example, coastal communities would fall potentially into that category, but also rural regional areas um, where I think, as we were discussing earlier, roads have been built in a way to accommodate, I guess, previous climate conditions versus those that we're experiencing now and, and in also into the future. Yes, yeah, so when you think about coastal councils, it's just one example. Sea level rise, beach renourishment having to happen on a more regular basis, putting in infrastructure to, to cope with those higher levels of, uh, of seas. Um, $54 million a year by the end of the century, it's, it's a pretty big price tag for councils to bear. So obviously this data is something that councils are going to be able to use in their advocacy with other levels of government. Mm, indeed, Chris, it will be. Catherine, another big story that broke this week is um, a, an $80 million fund from the state government to address a critical housing shortage in regional parts of Victoria. Lots of regional Victorian news this week. So we thought we'd find out more about that and we're going to bring some guests in on the program now. 
A pleasure to have on the program from Homes Victoria, the Executive Director of Strategy, Partnerships and Governance, Hannah Duncan-Jones, no stranger to VLGA Connect. Hi, Hannah. Hi, great to be back. And joining you today is Madeline Di Pietrantonio, who is the Director of Private Partnerships with Homes Victoria. Hello, Maddie. Hello, Chris. Thank you. Lovely to be here today. Great to have you with us. Firstly, Hannah, we might just talk a bit about the big housing build itself, a massive project. I know a lot of councils are looking to how they can be part of this. What is the role for local government within the big housing build? Um, so look, I think it's really important to emphasise that the role for local government in the big housing build is a role that fits within what their community vision is asking them to do and what their relationship with their community through deliberative engagement has asked them to do in this space. But we know that housing has been a big topic of all of those conversations. Um, and it is really about the capacity. So there will be a whole range of different ways that local governments play in this. It may be that they bring land to the table or a partnership with a housing provider to the table um, with their land. It may be that they are also helping to facilitate introductions across the community in relation to provision of social housing, forming different kinds of partnerships. Um, it's really important for them to think about what their strategy says. So, you know, within what their community is asking to do, do they want a housing strategy? When will they develop that housing strategy? How will that inform the work that they do in their area? But I think it's just really important for each um, community, each council to consider um, the needs for housing, social and community and affordable housing um, really broadly, because um, obviously housing, housing is something we all need um, and it is uh, the most important thing in ensuring people can effectively participate um, in society in the way they want to, whether it's you know through employment, through education, through volunteering, all of those things. Hannah, just thinking about the strategy more broadly, you know, the big housing build strategy, what are some of the benefits for local communities? The benefit is, is, is that it's enabling the development of housing right across Victoria. So the biggest growth in um, social and community housing in many, many years, $5.3 billion being invested across the state um, that will enable people to live in their communities in a standard of housing that is suitable for their needs um, so there is a whole range of different strains that streams that sit within the programs, whether it's Aboriginal housing, whether it's housing for people with mental health, um, whether it's um, affordable housing. So looking at a whole new package of um, housing in terms of um, what is affordable housing and, and what is the role that we will play in that space um, with 2,900 of the homes to be developed in that affordable housing space. Um, so it's really interesting, you know, a, new, a whole new market to be developed. And it's about saying that our communities are most effective when everybody has the ability to access housing. Um, and we've particularly seen the constraints that have been imposed through, um, you know, lack of market during COVID. Um, so that's had some impacts, particularly in regional areas on rental markets and impacts that have been felt across the board. So how the big housing bill can respond to those, and in particular, doing a great segue to um, uh, asking questions here of um, Maddie in relation to um, regional RFP that's out there at the moment. Just before we do that, Hannah, I'm just mindful, it's a, it's a massive program and I know some councils 
um, are pretty quick to mobilise, while others are taking a bit longer to sort of work out their strategy and what they really need. Is that an issue from your perspective in terms of the time spread of this program? Um, so we're, we're absolutely engaging the councils and having conversations, particularly with those regional councils where we've got a minimum investment guarantee. Um, and that information is available on our website about saying, you know, if it's Bass Coast, we're going to invest 20 million absolutely guaranteed in Bass Coast. Um, and um, having those conversations to really help them understand how they can be involved, um, that it's not about putting in, in any kind of barriers, it's to be involved in the ability that they have to ensure that the outcomes are achieved for their communities. So, Madeline, thank you for your patience. We've heard the announcement of the 80 million, which is to address this critical housing shortage in regional Victorias and some pretty quick timelines here. What are you seeking to achieve with this particular part of the big housing build? Um, so just in terms of just provide context, um, my sort of areas um, are focusing on delivering a, a much larger sort of acquisition program. And that's been underway in the past 12 months, of which we've certainly secured a number of projects. Um, the whole intent of this RFP and also all about our program more broadly, is to actually bring on board projects that are yet to be constructed. Um, the whole intent is for us to, to look at suitable product um, that we can purchase and we can work with, with landowners and developers um, in order for them to be secured and delivered um, over the next two to three years. What are some of those types of developments that you're wanting to purchase? So we are looking for a range. So the reason for that is because of the locations across regional Victoria, there's certainly different contexts and there's different housing needs. So what we are seeking is a range of dwelling types that could include, you know, your single to townhouse product. It could include um, some of your smaller apartment product that's also delivered in some of your regional centres. And a lot of that thinking is more so around um, looking at some of the demand that exists in different locations. So it's really cognizant of different demand, different locations, different product types um, that are needed. So certainly that, that RFP talks to that. Um, as, as certainly some of the sort of key considerations for what we're calling uh, landowners and developers to bring forward into the program. And are there any preferred locations as part of that? There are some preferred locations which are defined um, around some of where we've got minimum investment um, opportunities or commitments. Um, we've identified those quite clearly in the uh, RFP, but it does not preclude other locations. And the very reason being is that we do know that demand is expressed in other locations. Um, so we have certainly not closed it out for consideration in, in the RFP. And that was quite deliberate on the basis that um, demand is quite extensive in different areas. Tell us a bit about the types of dwellings you envisage being delivered under this particular component of the program. So what we're expecting um, or what we'd like is certainly to look at those range in terms of the, the dwelling types, as I alluded to before, both your apartments, your, your townhouse product and your single dwellings. Um, any of our, all of our considerations, and particularly in the RFP, it talks to um, some of the sort of dwelling sizes and mix that we'd like to achieve. Um, obviously, we wouldn't walk into a, an estate and buy a whole estate. We give some consideration around placement um, of what we would 
its source. And we also then give consideration to whether it's one or two or three bedroom dwellings. Um, all of that will rest particularly around what the demand profile is. Um, and equally, it also rests with ensuring that we get a nice mix in terms of communities that we're trying to achieve in particular locations. So, um, you know, as I said, you certainly have apartment product in, in some of your in some of the central cities. Um, and obviously we get a mix in terms of product type and, and that's why we've certainly ensured, regardless, because it's regional Victoria, um, we know there's, there's certainly different settings um, that we encourage in different product. And that certainly talks to house and land packages as well, which is something that we're seeking. So where can uh, land uh, landowners and also developers get some more information and, and how, do, how can they participate? So quite simply, uh, with for information, all RFP, which is the Request for Proposal Documentation, is all available on the Tenders Vic website, um, which you can access. That uh, website will provide you to the RFP documentation. Also, you can find links on our Homes Victoria website. Uh, which we have certainly ensured that they're available. There is an industry briefing that you can access as well. Um, so the information is, a, is available both by those two means. Um, and there's certainly questions and answers that we've set out as part of the documentation to assist um, anyone who has particular questions um, in terms of the different approaches. The other available avenue is also we've got a tenders inquiry email address um, which can be accessed as well uh, for if, if anyone has any questions that they'd like to direct to the to the program team. Thank you Madeline that's really useful and we'll share some of those links with uh, today's program. Finally I guess when is the closing date for submissions? So um, the closing date is the 7th of October so it's quite mm -hmm. close um, so we're really encouraging um, you know any support, any notifications, any awareness that we can bring to um, any proponents. We're certainly advocating very strongly because we'd like to see, you know, some great proposals um, and equally, you know, this is, this is creating a pipeline of project delivery um, of social housing investment in the area. So I certainly strongly encourage any support that can be um, shared across, across the various networks in regional Victoria would be great. Madeline, one thing on um, who can apply, I've noticed you're encouraging developers, landowners to partner with community organisations or local councils. Is that a strict part of the criteria? Like, Does a council have to be involved in each submission that you receive? No, no. So um, we've certainly, we certainly included uh, local government could be a landowner um, on that very basis and it's, it could be an avenue for them to bring forward developable land where they may wish um, for social housing to be, to be delivered and the program can fund the delivery. Um, you know, in terms of proponents, this is about, you know, delivering a, a turnkey dwelling and that means a complete product. Um, but certainly we've got that sort of option open. We 
where a proponent, being a developer, could be local government, could be having a partnership arrangement, of which the case they can come forward. Um, that's certainly just been something that we've ensured in this process um, as available. Right. Now, Hannah, um, in terms of Bass Coast, uh, you just want to correct something you yes, said earlier. Yes, I, I incorrectly said 20 million. No, Bass Coast allocation under the minimum investment guarantee is 25 million. So definitely don't want to shortchange them there. It's a very important area to make sure that we're getting um, some good um, social housing available. And there is a lot of detail. So I think you can be forgiven, Hannah, for uh, perhaps just, you know, slipping up there. But thank you for correcting that. Um, now, as Madeline said, submissions close on the 7th of October for this particular rural regional RFP. In terms of the big housing build and, and the other initiatives that are going to be rolled out as part of that, the VLGA certainly looks forward to continuing to work with Homes Victoria to be able to get the messaging out there, more importantly, the information out there to the local government sector. And um, I, I imagine there'll be opportunities for uh, many more conversations like today, uh, just about that very thing. Thank you, Hannah Duncan-Jones and Madeline Di Pietrantonio from Homes Victoria. Great to have you on VLGA Connect in the newsroom. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, lots more information about that available on those links that will pop into the show notes for this episode, Catherine. Yes, and as I mentioned, I think in, in our conversation with Hannah Duncan-Jones, the VLGA will also be in ongoing discussions with Homes Victoria to make sure that the local government sector get all of the information they need to fully understand and appreciate I guess, the extent of uh, big, the big housing build. Excellent. Now, before we go, uh, a look at some events that are coming up. There's quite a big program of events now planned, all in the online environment, of course, not the least of which is the Fast Track Part 2 Day, which is happening this Friday. That's right. This Friday, um, online, as you said, it's the only way we can do it. But, you know, some really good panellists and quite important topics for councillors to consider on the program. Um, for those who haven't registered, uh, spots are really filling up very quickly and I would encourage you to do that sooner rather than later. But uh, great lineup and looking forward to the conversations. Excellent, as, as am I. So uh, the live panels are really taking on life of their own. They're proving very popular. So you've got three of these lined up very soon, tackling some pretty important topics. We have. We're really pleased to be partnering with local government Victoria and also FinPro to build uh, to bring a live panel discussion to the sector on debt um, and really talking about how it's another resource for councils to consider when they're looking at ways to increase their financial sustainability and also growth. So that's coming up on Thursday, the 21st of October. We have the Auditor General on that panel, um, a CEO from Central Goldfields, Lucy Roffey, and also uh, a leading local government economist and financial sustainability consultant, uh, John Comrie. So really looking forward to hosting that conversation, which will you'll be hosting that conversation on behalf of uh, VLGA Connect. We also have our next and last global panel for the year coming up on Thursday, the 21st of October also, but in, in the evening. And that conversation will be having a look at innovative approaches to addressing the housing crisis. Mm. 
which of course we've just talked a little bit about with Madeline and Hannah. Uh, and finally, um, on Friday the 29th of October, we'll be speaking with the Executive Director of Local Government Victoria, Julie Reid, along with David Wolfe, who we had on the program last week, the Deputy Commissioner at IBAC, and also the Chief Municipal Inspector, um, really just reflecting on the first year of a new council term, talking a little bit about the different roles of each of those agencies and also where their work might overlap. So really looking forward to those conversations also, Chris. Excellent. And of course, uh, all of those programs are on the VLGA events page for you to find out more and to register. That's going to keep us busy through to the end of October. Fun times ahead. Yep, indeed there are, Chris. And that wraps it up, I think, for another newsroom. Thank you, Catherine. Enjoy the rest of the week. See you online for Fast Track on Friday. See you then, Chris. And thank you for your company on VLGA Connect. That's another newsroom in the can. We'll be back again with more from VLGA Connect. Don't forget to subscribe on the YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.